All right, so we are here today in the studio, and it is an exciting time for me because I can have a, a moment and an interview that I've wanted to do for a long time with someone who is very special and very dear to my heart. Um, growing up in my household, uh, the Word of God was given a a place of primacy and was a was a very big deal. We love the Word of God. It was placed in us by our grandparents, by our parents. And so periodically we when we get together as a family, we can we can sit down and we can look at the Bible, we can talk scripture. And one of my favorite people to talk scripture with is with me today. I want to bring on the broadcast my brother, Joel Urshan. He is in Cincinnati, Ohio, pastoring a dynamic church there. Many of you uh, follow his podcast there at his church, and uh, he has a dynamic ministry. And um, it's my honor and blessing to, to call him my brother and m- my best friend. So he is here today, and uh, Joel, it's good to see you, man. Man, it's great to be here. Thank you for letting me join in. Excited to be part of the podcast today. Yeah. Look at this. We usually we usually have to do this kind of thing in the living room at home. That's right. We have to kind of wait for a holiday or something to come around. Yeah, early in the morning. Usually what happens is um, one of us will get up before the other and we'll get the coffee going. And one of us will grab a lazy boy and the other one will come shuffling in. <laughs> Then it's time to talk about the Word of God. That's right. <laughs> and those are special times because it's it's a time where we are able to share. It's a, it's a real iron, a sharpening iron. And, and as we talk about it, um, it, it, it's very inspiring and enlightening. And as one starts to talk, it kind of jogs the memory and uh, sparks the uh, thought process of the other. And, and it builds yeah. one one idea, one scripture on top of another. And, and uh, those, are, those are very special sections. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of messages that I have, I have preached and that have um, been inspired in my own heart, some of those sparks come from conversations that we have. And, yeah. and it just... There's an emphasis on the Word of God, and that's a passion. That's a passion for me. I know that's a passion for you. Uh, so what I actually wanted to talk about today was the importance of a Word-based approach to understanding the Scriptures and preaching. We love Word-based preaching. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, it, it, for, for us, really, the Word uh, um, is irreplaceable, and, uh, and it's important to know that, that, to concentrate on that in preaching and in the ministry, because it is, uh, it, that's where the power is. You know, Peter said uh, that uh, thou hast the words of eternal life, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Mm. So when you speak the Word and words of God, you're speaking the words of eternal life. And so uh, there's just no replacement in preaching or word-based preaching. No replacement. Dad used to call it 
splitting the atom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because because young preachers are tempted to try to to in an effort to 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 minister and to get into the flow of the anointing, <clears throat> young preachers, um, just preachers in general, they sometimes can can feel like they need to um, lift their voice and push the information and, and and do what you would classically consider preaching. You know, you're lifting your voice up, you're 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 exhorting, you're encouraging, you're uh, promoting, but we were taught that there's a power in the word itself. And when you, yeah. as dad would say, split the atom, you are unleashing that nuclear, thermonuclear power that just levels everything around you. And you don't yeah. have to manufacture anything because the word itself will propel you. The, the information will propel you. Right. And the, the beautiful thing about that is, is you start seeing the linkage uh, of the word. You, you start seeing that the word is connected because by him, Jesus, by him, all things consist. So therein is the root of the word consistency. And so the consistency of the scriptures is Jesus. It's not just, it's not just of the scriptures, it's of the world, all things. Mm. But the scriptures, certainly, the consistency of the scriptures is Jesus Christ. The consistency of the created world is, is the word uh, that is Jesus Christ, uh, slain, lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There's a consistency. And that's the great thing about preaching is when you get into the word, uh, you start tapping into the heart of God and, and, and the heart of God is manifest to you. And you start seeing the consistency. That's when the inspiration takes hold. You start, it's like uncovering a mystery and puzzle pieces start coming together. This big picture starts forming. And now you've got a word from straight from heaven that you can deliver to the people. Yeah. So that the, they, the things connect the, the concepts connect, it sparks scriptures in your mind. Um, so the other day I was preaching and I got one of those pulpit revelations. And as, mm -hmm. as I'm preaching, it's unfolding. And I got yeah. excited while I was in the pulpit and, and I'm going, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And it's just, it's downloading into my mind while I'm preaching. So here, here this is what I was dealing with. <clears throat> the Bible says in the beginning, God created heaven, the heaven and the earth, and yeah. um, darkness is upon the face of the deep. The earth is without form and void. God said, "Let there be light," and and a a concept that has puzzled Christians for a long time is how can there be light, and how can the sun be created later? Because on Earth, the sun is what gives us light. Right. Um. So, what was that light? What, what was that original light? And it hit me, that light was Jesus. Um, right. And, and the right. reason I say that, and I say it confidently, is because the Scripture says that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. That was the yeah. true light that lighteth yeah. every man that cometh into the world. <laughs> that, that means Adam. That's it. He lit Adam when That's he right. came into the world. 
And that's right. So, you know, evolution wants to talk about the spark that, you know, yeah. everything just evolved. There were chemicals that came together and there was a spark. Well, yeah. however they want to try to define that, Jesus is the preeminent power in all things. Yeah. He is before all things by yeah. him, who? Jesus. Do all things yeah. consist? And so right. I can confidently say that he is that light. Um, that's right. Absolutely. The true light. <laughs> and that, and that, that preeminence, that, that he may be preeminent, oh, that's you know, that, that, that prefix pre, yeah. um, you know, even the statement, let there be light, let there be there is the word haya, mm. uh, which, which means uh, I am. And so when he said, let there be light, he, he literally was saying, I am light and there was light. So God was declaring himself. He was declaring his own self-sufficiency mm. and self-sustaining. Uh, and when he did, um, there was light. So that, that light was the glory of God. And, and of course, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and that was the Word made flesh. So, I, yeah, that's that light is the is the message of Jesus. It is Jesus. It is the life, the death, the burial. That's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and that was the light that was shining above the brightness of the sun when Saul uh, was <laughs> blinded on the road to Damascus. Yeah, uh, and and uh, you know you're talking about the consistency of the scriptures, so. When Gideon is going into the Midianites, and and God gives him this very strange uh, uh, set of instructions to take this uh, pitcher mm. with a lamp inside, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. He's deprived him of thirty or, or thirty-two thousand is what he he started out with, and uh, ended up with three hundred uh, soldiers, and and then he goes out with this this the pitcher with a lamp inside of it shatters the pitcher. The light shines forth. I see there a picture of Christ being wounded and bruised and smitten and stricken at Calvary. Mm. When he was, the light began to shine. Oh, that is so, there, so there was cool. a, that's, that's an example of how Christ is the consistency of the scriptures. When you, when you see him in the old Testament, exactly, Simplified little ways, little subtle ways like that. Uh, it, it inspires you to, to keep on reading, and you start to see more and more of Christ. Yeah, His message, His gospel, exemplified. Okay, so, so the Scripture says in Colossians chapter one, and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Okay. In, in etymology, that eminence is to project, to stand forth, to go forth. So there is a preeminence, and that that's Christ. So what we're talking about, I think intellectuals would call it Christocentric uh, perspectives or theology or whatever they want to call it. But But we know that not only is Gideon what you're describing as his death, the breaking of the vessel, the, the, the shining forth of the light, that is Christ. But then right. when you talk about the trumpet sounding, you have the resurrection yeah. 
shown yes. there where there's going to be a last yes. trump, there's going to be a resurrection, this mortal's going to put on immortality, this corruptible's going to put on incorruption. So yes. you have the breaking of the vessel, you have the light yes. breaking forth, you have a trumpet sounding, and when that happens, uh, victory yes. is given to God's people, and they have complete dominion. That's exactly right. And and that's that's exactly right. And they, you, see, you see it also in the battle at Jericho, when Joshua and the children of Israel are marching around the wall one time a day for seven days. Notice that for seven days, it was one time each day. And and there I see the laborious, uh, just the trudging <laughs> of the law and the old covenant. Yeah, just one, one, one application of seven. Yeah, exactly. And then you step into the second application of seven, which is, mm. I see it on that seventh day. There's It's seven times in one day, much different than one time in a day for seven days. Now we see the, the, we see the expeditious power, multiplying power of the new covenant uh, to where this, and of course, seven of, is representative of perfecting and completing. Mm-hmm. And we see that in Christ. We see uh, the com- the completed work in Christ. So when I look at the battle at Jericho, I see the, I see the, the, the just the drudgery of the old covenant. One time a day for seven days seems like it's taking forever. You get to the seventh day, and I see the, the you know the expediency, if you please, of the new covenant. When seven times in one day, there's a completion. There you see the fulfillment of Christ. And what do they do? They shout. Um, they shout and they lift up the sound of the trumpet. The shout, you, you, you even see the shout of, of Christ on the cross. He mm. lifted up his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, at, the, at the final moment there on the cross, and the walls fall down flat. I see the resurrection in that moment uh, <laughs> because there's this the sounding of the trumpet and the walls falling down flat. I see the wall falling down in terms of the mortal being changed to immortality, the corruptible being changed to incorruption. And you see it again. And again, it's just the consistency of the scriptures. You can take any Bible story you want and, and just take a look, take a real good, honest look at it, pray over it, read it through and through. And you're going to find Christ is demonstrated and is preached. Jesus is center. That's what Paul said. He said, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief, chief cornerstone. cornerstone. Okay. That There's so much in that. There's so much material. There's so much, there's so much dynamic material. Um, that number seven is a, yeah. is a finished work. It's a perfect work. It's also a work of the spirit, which means, it, it, it. A, and that references back to the seven spirits of God that are before the throne of God. Right. It references all the sevens, in the Bible, and that'll preach all day long. The, 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 the subject matter will just propel you. And so on that seventh day, they march seven times. That is 49 times put together. When you take that seventh day times, that seven times around, and that is Pentecost because exactly. seven, seven weeks of seven days is 49 days. Then on that 50th day, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one, one accord in one place, and the Holy Ghost fell. Well, there is your walls coming down. 
there is a finished work, not, not only that, but a, a, an exponential work, a, a seven times seven work, which the Hebrews understood and rabbis understood the sevening, which, which is an oath. That word seven actually is uh, Sheba, which is not only uh, the number seven, but it also means a covenant or an oath. So the covenant of Pentecost is found in the Battle of Jericho, and then when you get into you get into um, Gideon and his men sounding the trumpet, you have Gideon sounding the trumpet, and then you have Joshua sounding the trumpet. Uh, when when David defeated Goliath, uh, the, there was a trumpet and there was a great shout of the people. And but but we're looking for a day when the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven. Yeah with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. So that that's all prefiguring a a shout. He shall descend from heaven with a shout. There's going to be a shout coming that all those other shouts prefigured and there's going to be a trumpet coming that all those other trumpets were pale comparisons and echoes of a greater trumpet to come that we're looking to when our walls come down, when our enemies are put down, when God gives us complete dominion, and man, I'm telling you right there, that's an apostolic church service today. We're still sounding that trumpet in anticipation of that yeah. trumpet to come. That's that's exactly right. And notice that it's the, it's at the last trump, which the Book of Revelation describes seven trumpets, and so mm. we go. It takes us back to that that seven, and and the, the sevening is such a powerful concept. And it does go back to the seven spirits of God because when you look at the seven uh, ex- expressions or manifestations of the Spirit of God, uh, you see the perfecting of those spirits. And that's that's what Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 11, when it, it talked about those seven spirits of God, the, the Spirit of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, uh, wisdom and counsel and might and understanding. And, and, and when those uh, seven spirits of God are at work, you see that on full display in the life and ministry and gospel of Jesus Christ, and and so yes, the, the significance of seven it, it's connected to the seven days of creation. But the reason there were seven days of creation is because there were seven spirits. Of there God. were seven spirits of and, God. Yeah, it all goes back into the eternities. And so when when God created the earth, it, it the seven days of creation were a, a reflection of the perfecting and the completing that the seven spirits of God represent. And so, yes, he, he fulfilled it in seven days. He rested. The rest that he entered into on the seventh day was uh, was also uh, a prefiguring of the perfection, the completion, the rest that we enter into in, in the new covenant. Oh, yeah. And so when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it is that sevenfold expression of God's Spirit that is at work in you. He's developing in you. So you see an example of that in the life of Naaman, who wanted to be healed of his leprosy, goes to Elisha famously, and Elisha gives him again another strange command, go down to the water and be, uh, you know, dip seven times. He goes to the water seven times and, and dips once, nothing, twice, nothing, three, four, five, and six times, nothing. But when he comes up the seventh time, he has the flesh of a child. So notice that the, the leprosy didn't just disappear and, and he didn't the leprosy didn't just stop, but his 
flesh was restored all the way back to, to being a child. It, it was like there was never been a blemish, leprosy or anything, no blemish on his, on his skin. And, and that's an example of the, of the power of the new earth and the perfecting power of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It restores to you the innocence that God always intended you to have. And so you, and, and even in living for God, uh, you know, you might go down one time into the, into the fiery trial or into a time when you kind of are underwater, so to speak, can't get your head above water. And what's happening, don't give up. God's perfecting you. Go down as you live for God. You know, believers are all the time going through difficulties and challenges, and they wonder what's happening. God is perfecting you. Go down once, come up with wisdom. Go down twice, come up with counsel. Go down three times, come up with strength. Go down four times, come up with understanding. Go down five times, come up with the fear of the Lord. But when you come up that seventh time, there's a completion. There's a wholeness that takes hold of you when you are filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. That's the seven. That's the seven. So this is why Abraham deals with Abimelech. He brings seven ewe lambs to him, and they call yeah. that well yeah. Beersheba, the well of the sevens mm. or the well of the oath. <laughs> and that here's that seven. This is Elisha oh, who prays for the boy and when the boy is raised from the dead, he sneezes seven times. Why does, why does the Bible take the time to say seven? I mean, he counted the sneezes and wrote it down for the rest of the world to know for, for all time in the Scripture. So what you're talking about is those applications, those administrations of the Spirit found in Revelation. John saw those seven spirits of God. And that, for those of you that are listening, this is found in Isaiah chapter 11. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So that's number one. And the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, for those of you keeping track, that actually, that original rod, that stem that grows out of the roots, that's Jesus Christ. And in the seven golden candlesticks of the tabernacle, there's one that is upright. That is that original, that is that original stem that arises. Yes. And now there's these six other branches coming off of that that provide light. And, and when you get that sevenfold application of his spirit, and the way we experience that is through the baptism of the Holy Ghost and uh, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to be born again of the water and of the spirit, when that happens... It becomes the lamp unto my feet. His word is yeah. a lamp unto yeah. my feet. It is a light unto my path. Mm -hmm. And the darkness that yeah. it dispels is barbarism. It is, mm -hmm. it is prejudice and racism. It is mm -hmm. false doctrine. It is every darkness that afflicts the heart of mankind and humanity. And so that's the light. That's Jesus Christ and his sevenfold application. Um, that's right. Now, here is why. I love this because that's Isaiah 11. Isaiah 12 then tells us what will happen. And in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Now that comfort there is a reference to the Holy Ghost. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust 
and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, yeah. with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, you know this, but for those that are listening, and this is for our Jewish listeners, this is for our apostolic brethren, and anybody else that wants to know this, if you read that in Hebrew, what it says is, behold, God is my Jesus. God is my Yeshua. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. That strength and song is a reference to the Old Testament and, and what God was to God's people. But then, with the incarnation of Jesus, it says, He also is become my salvation. Mm. Jehovah's salvation mm. is Jesus. And when you draw water out of the wells, it's, it literally is out of the wells of salvation, out of the wells of Yeshua. Of Yeshua. <laughs> <laughs> This is the woman at the well. This is Jesus saying, if you knew who I was, then you wouldn't, yeah. you would ask me and I would give you living water. And, and exactly. he spake of the Holy Ghost. So this, That's right. this subject matter, and I, I don't like apostolics to even know this. If you keep reading in verse four, it says, in that day, shall you say, praise the Lord. I love that. <laughs> Apostolics, yeah. we are a unique people, and one of our favorite expressions. And those those old timers, those pioneers, knew that. They they yeah. when we see one another, we don't just say hello or greetings or, or hi everybody. Yeah. Uh, everybody doing okay? Yeah. What we say is we say praise the Lord. Praise and in that Lord. day shall you say praise the Lord. This is a Jesus thing, man. He <laughs> that preeminence and that word is dynamic. It is, and and you know when you go to Proverbs eight, and it describes Solomon by revelation describing uh, God in his creative power. And he's describing how the Lord created the earth. And he describes, he's speaking as wisdom in the first person. And it's talking about, I wisdom dwell with prudence. And in Proverbs chapter eight, it describes what God was doing before he created the earth, before he laid the foundations of the earth. And it describes counsel, and it describes might, and it describes uh, understanding and knowledge, and even the fear of the Lord. It is it is the sevenfold manifestation of God's Spirit that was at work at creation and before creation. And so, when the Bible says, "In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth," and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, that Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters is the sevenfold manifestation of God's Spirit that mm. moved upon the face of the water. So the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. But but then counsel and wisdom and understanding and might and the fear of the Lord moved. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon that, that deep. And God said, I am light, and there was light. And so everything that he then created over the course of those next six days that allowed for a seventh day of rest, all prefigured the coming of Jesus Christ. And so everything he created, by him all things consist. Uh, uh, the same in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And, and so everything that God created is pointing to Jesus and pointing to his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. So whether it's the, it's the sun that emerges in the morning 
and and goes down at night and emerges again the next day, you're looking at the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection, just as the son lives and is buried and dies and lives again. You're looking at the message of Jesus Christ. When you look at the seed that goes into the ground and is and is buried, and from within it, it emerges from the ground as a tree, as a plant, and bears much fruit, you're looking again at the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of of Jesus Christ. This is this was him declaring to mankind the message of salvation, the message of redemption, so that when man could not hear his voice because of sin and death, he would be able to look at creation and see a pattern that would set a foundation for him to understand and be able to to receive the gospel. This is why David said, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and what is the son of man that thou visitest him? This is why he said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. So when the heavens declare the glory of God, the glory of God is his gospel, it's his life, it's, it's that light that we were talking about. And the heavens, he said, are, they're declaring it. God codified the gospel in everything that he, that he created so that we, when we were dead in trespasses and sins, could even look at the world around us and be able to see the rhyme, the reason that somebody created this. And our minds may be alienated through sin and death, but God, God was prepared before all of that happened, and and the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and the Logos of God. It was a, a beautiful plan of redemption is wrapped in everything He created, and it's of course wrapped in His holy scriptures. Yeah, so there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Not heard. Their line is gone, gone out. Yeah, so the scripture talks about even his eternal power in Godhead. It's revealed. It's yeah. clearly understood by the things that are made. Um, That's right. The invisible That's things right. of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in yeah. Godhead, so that and they are yeah. without excuse. That's that's his nature. <laughs> that's doth not even nature itself teach you. Yes, so exactly. So this kind of word-based dynamic is light. The scripture yeah. talks about light. It talks about being born of the light, being children of the light. And then in, um, I think it's Ephesians, it says that whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what we're talking about here is word-based preaching, word-based study. And and if you, if you want to, if you want to read in scripture and and preach from the scripture themes are going to start to emerge so one of the things that that young preachers that are coming along that want to um preach from a word-based perspective because there's several ways you can preach you can preach from inspiration you can preach from you know popular topics that are trending Uh, some people are very good at that some people are um, narrative preachers they can they can really uh, talk to you about things that touch them, and they can relay that. But one of the things that we have always loved to do is to just preach from the Word itself. 
They love of the word of God. So one way to do that is through the themes we're describing. And, you know, the word light and the gospel is in everything. So Jesus is in everything. Uh, Jesus Christ is in everything. The gospel is in everything in that Bible. Um, He told them, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. They testify of me. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, and, and for those that are interested in um, the seven spirits and, and things of that nature, I, one word that the Hebrews had for it was gematria or gematria. And it's, it's the idea of numbers. You'll see several numbers that are, are presented uh, in the Bible, 7, 12, 40. Those, those numbers all relate things. Uh, so, w- for instance, with the sevens, there's a place where one of them came to Jesus and said, Lord, how, how many times should I forgive my brother? Is it, yeah. is it seven times? And Jesus, his reference back was, it, it should be 70 times seven. And, yeah. and, you know, the mathematicians among us would keep track of that. And when they got to 490, um, 400, <laughs> 491, they're gonna. That's black. They're gonna punch him in the nose, give him a black eye. Yeah. Get him back because yeah. that's what Jesus said they could do. But right. actually, uh, seven is a com- a number of completion, a number of perfection. It is a work of the spirit, and seven D is the age of a man. The Scripture yeah. speaks of the age of men, and that he would be given seventy years, and if by reason of strength he could continue, it would be eighty years, and. And so what that seven times 70 is, is a spirit-filled life. It's, right. exactly. it, is a, it is a walk of the spirit. And my, yeah. my spirit, my spiritual people, the sons and daughters of God, will forgive at all times because at they have a, a completed work and they are at their whole lifetime. This is not something that you just do periodically and finally they cross the line and it's time to just punch them in the nose. Uh, but this yeah. is this yeah. is a, a the sons and daughters of God will will be this way, and they will be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Um, right, that's what right. I mean, absolutely that kind of subject matter just man, it just keeps on going. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, and you see those numbers, and they're not, not mystical numbers. You know, they're not they're not. Um, you know, there's no magic to the number seven, there's no magic to the number 12, you know, people uh, get into the superstition of those things, and that there's no superstition, they represent something, and they represent something in the heavens, they represent the order of eternity, and so you see it outlined in the revelation of John, that John had of, of the New Jerusalem, for instance, 12 foundations, 12 gates, um, he saw the, of course, the seven golden candlesticks that you mentioned the seven spirits of God that were the seven eyes of the Lamb. Uh, and, and, and that that also gives you an understanding of how the seven spirits of God work, the seven eyes of the Lamb. This is the, this is the unique perspective of the Lamb of God. That's what you gain when the Spirit has perfected a work in you. You see things through the seven eyes of the Lamb. Mm. So when the lady was caught in the act of adultery and brought to the feet of Jesus, you know, the men that were there were looking at her through one set of eyes, the eyes of condemnation ready to kill her. 
But Jesus looked at her through the seven eyes of the Lamb, and he saw, he took all things into into consideration and and looked at her through the lens of wisdom and the fear of the Lord and knowledge and strength. And by the time he got done looking at her through all of those lenses, he said, let him that hath no sin cast the first stone. Yeah. Woman, where are thine accusers? Uh, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and, and sin no more. That's, that's what it does. You know, it perfects our vision. It perfects our perspective. And we no longer want to hold a grudge. We no longer feel the need to hold a grudge. We forgive for the entirety of our life because our vision has been that that, and, uh, that is so good. As long as we're walking in the spirit, that's what it'll be. Walking in the spirit. So seven eyes, and then it goes on to seven horns, um, yes. which is a a completed power. It's not the incomplete right. carnal power of men that they have. If if I have a chance to hurt somebody and they're in my hand, they're in my power. I can do that. But right. but Jesus exercised perfect power and perfect vision, which is another way of saying omnipotence and omniscience. Um, yeah, he has that. And, um, man, well, we are, we're actually out of time. Uh, we have gone to our time limit. Uh, we could, we could do this all day. Literally for those of you that are listening, we, we, yeah. we do this for hours at home. We encourage you to do this. Think yeah. about the scripture, love the scripture, let it pour out of you. The Bible says his word was in my heart, like a fire shut up in my bones. So, uh, right. this world needs Jesus-centered preaching, men and women who yeah. love the Word of God with all their heart. And, um, man, yeah. it's been good talking to you. I know you're hard up against a deadline, and so am I. But but we'll get together and do this again because uh, we want to share this with a bunch of people, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it, too, and I thank you for calling me, man. And it's, it's been great. I look forward to doing it again, and we could, we could talk all day long and look forward to doing it another time. God we'll do it another time. Okay. We'll talk to you later, man. God bless.